in order for us to do something, to accomplish something, to make something, to reach a goal, we have to have that goal, that end point in mind, right? Think about cooking. If you're going to make a dessert, a cake, you have to at least know what you're aiming at. And then you build that, you don't build a cake, you, you build toward that through, uh, by bringing together all the right ingredients. Imagine if you just started randomly and just looked like I do sometimes, look in your refrigerator or in the pantry and start putting things together. A little flour maybe, some sugar, leftover lasagna, barbecue sauce, you know, whatever, frog legs. I don't know what frog legs are doing in here, but put those in. You're not going to make a nice dessert. You have to have what, what you have in mind. Have it in mind, then you, you prepare the cake or the dessert so that it, it reaches that goal that you had. Same thing with the degree or with something you're studying. You have to have something, a goal, and then you take the steps you need or the classes to accomplish that goal and get that degree. Same thing with the vocation to marriage, to the religious life or priesthood or career. You have to have that in mind and you take the steps to get there. Well, I think, I hope that the same thing can be said more so perhaps for our spiritual lives. The goal of our lives, the goal of our life is to get to heaven, right? I hope so. You don't have to say amen or uh-huh, but I hope that's the goal for every one of us to get to heaven. Otherwise, we're kind of wasting our time right now. The goal of our lives is to get to heaven. I don't know which school it was in our diocese. I visit all of them and it's delightful. And um, I was in a kindergarten class and I thought, they're probably asked all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? So I thought I would just change it a little bit and I said, in a hundred years, what do you want to do? Now these little five-year-olds may live a hundred more years, who knows? But in the year 2119, what do you want to do? And this little girl raised her hand and I picked her and she said, I want to die and I want to go to heaven. It was pretty amazing. It, it kind of bummed out all the other little kids. <laughs> it really put a pall over the classroom, I think, because that's not what most of them were thinking. But then they all raised their hands and they said, I want to go to heaven too. The whole class said that and I, they, they get it. That's our goal. So if that's the goal for all of us, what steps should we take to get there? This, these are questions that people have asked of rabbis and the patriarchs and prophets and Jesus Christ and the apostles ever since time began, it seems, ever since God revealed himself to us. So we see in the first reading, Moses is instructing the people what they need to do. They're standing, looking at the promised land. Remember, God didn't let Moses go into the promised land because he had questioned God. So all Moses could do was look at it from a distance with all the people. Joshua was the one who would lead them in. Moses turns to the people and he says, there is the land that God is giving to you and your descendants. All you have to do is keep God's commandments and you will live. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. Love, your, love one another and you will live. That's well paired with the gospel today. Jesus is teaching and a scholar comes up to him and says, teacher, what must I do to inherit everlasting life? And Jesus says, well, what, you know the law. How do you read it? And he dutifully responds in the words of Moses, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, well said, do it, and you will live. But the guy presses Jesus a little bit more. Maybe he's showing off. Maybe he just wants to make sure that he's got it right. And he says, 
okay, who is my neighbor? Jesus never answers with a straight answer. He, he says, well, let me tell you a story. And he tells us the story that we know and love very well, the story of the Good Samaritan. A man, probably a Jew in Jesus' story, is beaten and robbed, stripped, and is left for dead on the road. And a priest comes by, and seeing blood and seeing a wounded man, he thinks, if I touch him, I'll be unclean. I better just kind of avoid him altogether. He goes on the other side of the road. A Levite, another holy person, comes by. He won't touch him. He won't come near him. He goes on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, Samaritans and Jews, at best, didn't get along. At worst, they were enemies of each other. But a Samaritan bends down, touches him. He, he, he pours oil and wine in his wounds and cares for him, takes him to an inn and pays for his care. And then Jesus says, which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the man? And the guy says, I, the, the third, the Samaritan, right. Do that and you will live. Now all my life I thought, okay, the guy asked a question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, your neighbor was that man lying there on the ground. But that's not what Jesus says, really. The man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asks him, who was neighbor to the man? So Jesus turns this around. It's not just a matter of trying to determine which ones should I love, which ones should I pay attention to? Just tell me and I'll do it. Jesus says it's not about checking off a list or loving those or being merciful to those who love you back or who live next to you or who are in your family. Just be neighbor to everyone. As I was thinking about this homily this week, I thought neighbor, neighborhood, beautiful day, any one of us, any of us who are over 20 would recall Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? And you know, when he sang, won't you be, please won't you be my neighbor? And I thought, whoa, here, maybe that's what he was pointing to, this gospel. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Mr. Rogers was in seminary at one point in his life. But what he was saying to all of us little children and perhaps us adults, maybe even more so, was be neighbor to me. He didn't say, today I'm going to be your neighbor, I'm going to take care of you. He was invoking, or inviting us all to be his neighbor, to be neighbor for one another. In short, our goal is to get to heaven. If we want to be with God in heaven, we should be practicing to be like God here on earth. And we know, because God is revealed in the Bible, we know that God is merciful, loving, kind to all people. Isaiah 55, he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. Or think about Jesus' story of the sower and the seed. Remember that this person is not a good farmer. This person takes seed and just throws it everywhere. Some lands on concrete, some among thorns, and some among good earth. The sower doesn't care. It's not up to the sower to determine which one of these three things deserves it. The sower just throws the seed. And so God wastes his love and mercy and forgiveness on everyone. If only they would be like that good earth and, and receive it well. You and I are called to love the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, and soul, and to love our neighbor in return as well. Who is our neighbor? It's the wrong question to ask, apparently. It's not a matter of just picking one or two or a hundred people. The question Jesus puts to us is, which one was neighbor to the man? You should be, I should be, neighbors for everyone else. Imagine what a world it would be if all of us were 
neighbor for one another, if we loved each other and were merciful and forgiving and kind toward everyone we met, then we would truly be living the gospel of Jesus Christ. Moses basically says to them, it's not a mystery. He would have said if rockets had been invented, this is not rocket science. It's not way up there or over there. It's in your heart. Just carry it out and you will live. Jesus says in the gospel today, you know what to do. Do this and you will live. <laughs>